0: And to be in the love is to, in my opinion, is to be in the presence of Al-Wadud. Mm. That's the true love. That is the all-encompassing ocean of that love. Mm-hmm. And and I, and I think a lot of times when we have this inclination to say, that's better, that's worse, we have to watch where that where that's coming from. Because there's definitely truth in saying, you know, advising people. But then are you advising from a place of love or from a place of judgment?
1: Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Assalamualaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh. Hello everyone and welcome to another episode on the Mizi Wahid Podcast. Today's episode is brought to you by TAQ Wealth Associates. You see, money isn't everything in life, but it is a very important part of our lives. Your studies, buying a house, your wedding, and starting a family are all key milestones in a person's life. For example, is your big day around the corner, you know. Weddings today, even during the pandemic, can still cost a bomb. Ever wondered how you could save up just enough and just in time for your special day? Or if you just graduated and earning a starting salary, trying to save up tens of thousands of dollars can be quite daunting. But I've got good news for you. The team at Taqua has a way to help you. Would you be interested to know more? visit tinyurl.com taqwa21 that's taqwa21 today and our friends at taq wealth associates will get in touch with you and share with you the wealth management strategies that they have for you to achieve your dream wedding and other financial goals for every application you will receive a free financial calculator to help you with your planning Plus, for every successful meetup, you'll receive a free financial planner book exclusively that is worth $30. Visit tinyurl.com slash 21 today. Now let's begin today's episode. Alright, bismillahirrahmanirrahim. rahmatullahi warahmatullahi wabarakatuh. Welcome everyone to another episode on the Mizi Wahid podcast. I'm so happy to have you as my listener and I'm extremely grateful that you continue to support this podcast. It means so much to me whenever I get uh, a message from you or when you tag me, when you repost some of your favorite parts from the episodes. I'm glad that this little effort I'm doing is uh, making a difference in your life, a positive difference, inshallah. And um, as I promised, you know, this year, the aim is for me to have more amazing guests on my episodes. And today, inshallah, I have another wonderful, amazing, inspiring guest. Uh, but uh, before I, I introduce you to, to her, um, I would just like to say that um, if you have any questions that you'd like to ask, perhaps you've heard some of my previous episodes where some listeners have submitted questions uh, and you can do it too. Simply drop an email to inquiry at mezyy.com E-N-Q-U-I-R-Y at mezyy.com. Uh, it can be 30 seconds, 60 seconds, and we'll cut it, put it into the episode, and I'll answer your questions to the best of my ability, inshallah. All right. So thank you. Without further ado, today's guest is somebody that perhaps you have uh, been following on social media, but you don't know (laughs) who this person is. Or maybe you have uh, read her book. Her book has been doing really, really well, touching so many lives, um, especially in the past year or so. And um, she is none other than Sister Helwa. Helwa, assalamu alaikum and welcome to the Mizi White podcast.
0: Wa alaikum assalam. Thank you so much for having me on. And thank you so much for the work that you do, the books that you write, the podcasts, the interviews, the... The tweets, the Instagram posts, um, it's always a blessing to come across um, all the way in this side of the world, in California, Um, and I'm just really grateful for it. So thank you for all that you do.
1: Likewise, likewise. You know, um, I think you have um, positively impacted so many lives with your daily posts on social media, which which we're going to talk about in a short while, and also your book. You know, I love your book. Uh, We did an IG Live not too long ago. And I remembered reading some parts of your book during that session, and everybody seems to be really, really enjoying it. Um, Those who have read my book have read yours and vice versa. Seems like maybe your book is like an upgrade to mine. Like if if they want to go a bit deeper, (laughs) they can go to yours. I like to keep mine light and simple, uh, but I think there's always uh, an audience um, looking, searching, thirsty for this kind of um, content and we are so blessed to have you as well uh, as a contributor content creator and author writer so alhamdulillah
0: thank you so much for that okay hello
1: so uh, you're in california i'm in singapore right now it's 11 a.m here what time is it over there
0: 7 p.m
1: 7 p.m okay nice what time is maghrib normally
0: um it come it's already it already came and went. <laughs> okay. But I was going to I was going to actually say that um I love to I love speaking with the other side of the world um mm-hmm. mostly because uh it sounds funny but it's like the sun that you have over there it's reflecting in the moon here. Mm. And so it kind of reminds me that um we're not that um we're not that far away from each other in a sense. Yeah. Um yeah, so the sort of I don't know. Um beautiful I don't know yeah, yeah I mean, <laughs> it's always it's, a gift to talk it, to the other side of the world
1: I think it's it's the same for me um, it's not easy for us to actually know of many and actually have friends from another part of the world unless you know you studied there before or they studied here before unless you have family or somebody married into the family of someone living in the west apart from that it's it's the likelihood is actually very low. Uh, chances of you being able to communicate with someone in in the other part of the world is is not that uh, common. Obviously, right. the internet, social media has made it a lot easier. Uh, as somebody who solemnizes couples here in Singapore, I'm seeing more and more uh, international marriages, <laughs> interracial mm. marriages. Um, so, yes, uh, Americans. Uh, You know, during the pandemic, I actually solemnized uh, a couple uh, completely online. So there's this ruling here in Singapore where you can actually conduct a nikah online, which which was unprecedented, never done before. And so I had, interestingly, I had audiences from all from people in the US. Like, so it was like a Zoom session, like, like what we're doing now. And so <laughs> I saw faces of all the others, you know, uh, tuning in, watching some of them dressed up for the occasion, even though it was a Zoom, you know, some of them had, you know, champagne, I think, I don't know, like friends or family and so on. Um, unique, very, very unique experience. Um, but the pandemic definitely gave us many new experiences. And maybe I can start with that, Helwa, if you don't mind. Like, how... Are you so far and how have you been coping with the pandemic? Um, How are you staying safe, staying mentally well and so on?
0: Wow, that's a great question. Um, uh, You know, I call the Zoom, by the way, the Zoom mosaic. Like this uh, (laughs) square faces, you know. (laughs) And I never knew that how badly I wanted three-dimensional hangouts. Oh, yes. we went to see, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) So it's like... Um, But yeah, so this, you know, the pandemic, um, it's always been interesting because we, Los Angeles has had some of the worst outbreaks. And at one point there was about 250 deaths a day. Mm. Um, So it was pretty, it was pretty heavy and trying to make sure that, you know, everybody stays safe because we also had issues with politics here.
1: Yeah
0: politics playing in a role into wearing masks or not wearing masks and is it over
1: um, yet though uh, yeah
0: well yes officially biden is the new president um but you still have you know even if a president loses or one wins you still have the people who are on the side of the winner loser president right Mm. they're still trump supporters so
1: the ideology Um, carries on right
0: right and Mm -hmm. you know sometimes it it goes underground when there's enough push against it Mm -hmm. um and you know that obviously that's good in the sense that people don't feel outwardly threatened but yet it still lies right beneath the surface so now when one of the things i do is go on one or two walks a day um and usually like you know it's the like macrob is kind of like my end time it comes in like 5.30, 5.36, 5.30, 5.36, something. So it's pretty soon, mm-hmm. right? Um, and so it's it's interesting to live a life where you, you're you not going anywhere. And it, it makes it easier to make your prayers like right on the dot because you're not in transit, you know? <laughs> um, and so it's been interesting, but also I, I feel like it's brought up this conversation around what it means to be a part of a community. Mm-hmm. And what it means to say, if I'm not the vulnerable category of person, um, can I still tailor my nafs? Can I still tailor my desires of things I want to do Mm. if it means potentially protecting somebody else? Um, And so that's been like this really interesting teaching, I think, through this whole pandemic. Um, And seeing that after a certain amount of months, people kind of give up. Whatever principle they had around that, because mm-hmm. it gets hard, yeah, um, but I feel like as Muslims, we give the the gift of Ramadan is it forces you at least once a year for mm-hmm. at least you know, thirty days to think about that.
1: yeah, so. you made a good point there because I think a lot of people even here, in the beginning, even though it was a shock, having to adjust and and do things differently, um, it, it, we needed time to adapt to the changes. But even though quite a number of us said that, you know what? We're going to persevere. We're going to, you know, just stick with it. We can do this. But you know what? After six months, seven months, eight months, nine months, you're like, oh man, when is this going to end? You know? So it seemed like we were going to be able to, it was going to be a breeze at some point, but then, you know, we 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 do have our own um, limitations as well. And, we do get tired of um, leading somewhat of a mundane <laughs> um, mm-hmm. routine lifestyle, especially those who are so used to having so much activity going on in their lives, right? Sure. Those who travel a lot, um, those who interact with large crowds and so on and so forth, not, not being given the opportunity to do that, you know, has hit some people really, really hard and, you know, mentally affecting them. So mental health has been a, a big discussion here um, where we see cases of people um, you know, seeking help because they have fallen into a state of depression. Um, mm. Obviously, some of them lost their jobs. Some of them had more abuse at home because the abuser is somebody they cannot run away from even for an mm. hour because they're stuck at home, things like that. Um, th- those are some of the downsides that we hear of. But what's what are some of the upsides for you personally? What did you discover? I know you mentioned the prayer thing, but is there anything else that you realized, wow, you know what? This pandemic probably is a, is a blessing for me. You know, I realized something about myself. Was there anything that you found?
0: Yeah, that's a great question. I would say that, you know, when the mosques had to close, that was hard for me. Um, mm-hmm. Because between being with my friends for, you know, getting together and doing some reading or um, studying the Quran together or going to the mosque when that was sort of taken in a sense. um, Of course, there's, you know, Zoom and things like that, but just being there in in physical time and space when that was taken, I felt like there was this shift that when I felt into it, it was like there's an outer mosque, but there is that inner mosque. And so I felt it's like, oh, wow, yeah, that's true. There is the inner mosque. And Mm -hmm what does that space look like and what's my inner mosque and if i'm walking as a mosque um i hope people don't take that the wrong way and so, just so, in so, sense that... so
1: this is this is not like oh your body is a temple no it's not that right <laughs> no,
0: no no not that <laughs> so More can just you, like can you elaborate yeah yeah sure like mm, this heart that allah has given us so much is spoken to about this heart keeping it clean like you know don't let things into your heart that are impure it's kind of like the mosque you take off your shoes you mm. do wudu like you have an intention you come in with your hopefully if you're like with your right foot you know whatever it is that you're there's ritualism around these things to remind you of the meaning and the depth of it mm. but i feel like with our hearts at least i can speak for myself i'm not always as vigilant about that sometimes i walk in with my shoes on you know um and i let others walk in you know with their shoes on and i feel like that's what i mean in the sense like there is this mosque inside this place where we go to pray from the heart prayer from the heart um so that kind of i don't know this idea sort of came to me as sitting with it deeper i'm sure it's nothing new to the seekers or um you know the imams and the but um it was something new for me to step into and um the pandemic almost forced me <laughs> forced me in a way to do that so that's beautiful
1: that's beautiful I, I like the analogy and i think this is one of your gifts uh, you you give really good examples that make people think deeply and reflect on it the analogy of um you know Taking off your shoes, you know the, the routines and the rituals actually have meaning behind them, right? Mm-hmm. To, to remind you of the sacredness of of that place um, that you go to to worship God, to be um, to to have a connection with Him, you know. So, um, yeah, okay. Anyways, <laughs> mm-hmm. I yeah, I, I like to think uh, I like to go deeper with that, but never mind. I have a lot of questions for you. Um, Okay, let's talk about your book, Okay, Um, Secrets of Divine Love. What inspired you to write that book? Um, When did you start writing and how long did it take for you to finish the whole thing? But really the inspiration, the intention behind the book, what was it?
0: Yes, so with Secrets of Divine Love, uh, actually, I never, in a sense, set out to write it. Um, It sort of began writing itself. And then somewhere along the way, I was like, am I writing a book? Like, it almost felt like a surprise. (laughs) Um, I was working on a Quran typography book. um, And so I really, I love design and I wanted to um, see if I could get different designers to create on different verses of the Quran just beautiful typography and some illustration of flowers or whatever and so I had actually started doing that but um, in between the time it took for designers to get back their designs I was studying and learning about the verses in a deeper way because the followers of um, the page the Quran quotes daily that I was running were asking well that's a really cool you know um, post but like what does that verse mean can Mm. you and so I was like, yeah, you know, like I want to step into the depths of what these verses mean um, beyond just what I read in, in, a you know, a couple dozen books or something. And so I started asking teachers from around the world. I started traveling and I started to collect this information. Um, and I realized I couldn't write about every single verse of the Quran. That mm. would be impossible. Um, but I also realized that I had collected such Beautiful things such incredible teachers had shared. Mm-hmm. And so I started to just categorize them. And at the time I still didn't know that I was really writing a book. I it was just like a natural I felt like I was a hoarder of knowledge. <laughs> like I was, here's my pile on Salah, and like here's this about Zakat. And you know, here's a few things on Hajj. And and then in Secrets of Divine Love, I kind of say that there was this moment which still I don't have a real words for. But it just felt like it was, it's very odd to say, but it just felt like I heard a, someone's prayer that for something and I didn't know I, it felt like, hmm, trying to put it into words, it just felt like asking for something deeper, for mm-hmm. something of the heart of, of this faith. Come to think about it later, I think it was just me from the past asking for it. Mm-hmm. Me as a child wanting that and not finding it, um, but I don't know. And it, it was odd and weird, and I couldn't make sense of it. Mm-hmm. But I felt this this immense passion arise inside of me from feeling that prayer, mm-hmm. whoever's mm-hmm. it was, even if it was my own, um, for this thing that I felt called to be a part of. And then the rest is kind of history. It took about three years. Um, to take those piles and condense them because they were so long, (laughs) there was so much. Um, And just try to find a way to share with the intention of what that prayer felt like, which was, I want to feel the love of Allah Mm. and through the path of Islam. And what does that feel like? Um, And so I feel like everything, then when I'm approaching the Quran too, it just felt like everything that is said is a way that Allah is just like, I love you. And I'm saying this to you, I'm picking this detail and not that one because I love you. I'm leaving this detail out and maximizing on these details because I love you. And I need you to see the things that matter. And I need you to trust me and like trust that I'm intentional with what I include and with what I leave out. And just stay long enough with me and the picture will emerge. Um, and so for a long time, just to end with this, is there's a saying that, um you know, there's when the ant walks on a carpet, um, it sees blue. When, when, the what, sorry. Red. when an ant and, walks okay. on a carpet, it sees blue, then red, then white, then yellow. It's meaningless color changes. But from an aerial view, <laughs> there's this beautiful pattern that emerges. And so it's kind of like be particular. And then find a way to, to open your eyes, to mm. lift up. Um, sometimes I think that the, the ascension of the prophet, peace be upon him, is like this lifting, this aerial view to see things as they are and not a frame at a time. Mm.
1: Mm. Beautiful. Wow. Oh, There's a lot to take in, but it's true. And that's it's also something that I try in my own little ways to try to help people um, take a few steps back and look at the big picture. Because more often than not, we're missing the big picture. We only are seeing what we're experiencing right now. If it's pain, then we define it as pain only. If Mm. it's loss, then we only see loss only at that moment and nothing else. Um, We feel deprived. But in actuality, if we were to take a few steps back, we see that God is constantly, constantly, showering us with his favors and blessings so that's that's a really good point that you raised there Uh, my next question is actually about if there was one key message that you want your readers to take away from the book what would it be but it seems like you may have just said it (laughs) (laughs) secrets of divine love and you, you you emphasize that that he loves you that he loves you that he loves you um is there anything else you'd love your your readers to know
0: i find that um yeah, it's it's that you matter, that mm. you were created intentionally with a purpose, that you weren't placed here and left to fend for yourself, that you were sent here and taught guidance and taught how to return, tawbah, in repentance to Allah. Mm. And I think one of the deepest teachings for me that I hope this book can remind readers is that the entire path of Islam is about remembrance, right? Like the greatest form is a thicca, remembrance. And to remember something is, you must know it first. Yeah. And so often it's not like, go learn, go find Allah. It's remember, remember him, that it's part of what it means to be human, to be connected to God, mm. to the divine. And the places in us that don't feel connected, they're not meant to make us think that we never were or aren't, but only that our perception of the moment is that we're disconnected. Kind of like right now it's nighttime, but the sun is still shining and you know that to be true where you are. Yeah. But so part of it is like, well, the earth of me turned away. So I experienced darkness, but the sun didn't turn off. Mm. And I feel like that's really the message. It's like to know that in your deepest, darkest moments, The sun's still shining. Mm -hmm. It is. And to trust that to be true.
1: You are um, a quote a minute kind of person, you know, like (laughs) I I can tweet everything you say. (laughs) (laughs) MashaAllah. All right. um, Thank you so much. Next, um, I feel like, okay, with all of what you just shared and your book, and I think the last time we spoke on Instagram, uh, during the Instagram Live, you did say that you were working on another project. Am I right? Yes. Um, so it's coming soon,
0: inshallah. Um, the typography book that actually started this whole thing. Um, I'm pretty close, uh, inshallah, in 2020 this year it will Mm -hmm. come out. Mm -hmm. Um, But really, my intention with that book is more just so that people could have something that they put, you know, on a coffee table or maybe near their prayer area and Mm -hmm. they just open and are reminded of the Quran. And again, I feel like everything that i'll ever write i'm hoping that it, <laughs> someone will put my book down and and go read the quran because that's the inspiration behind same. it
1: that's the same, same right? intention it's
0: like the goal so i'm trying yes. to yes. hopefully put more reminders in there and be, wow this is a cool verse like let me go check out the context and let me look at the surah, you know mm. hopefully so
1: because um, i i've had people Helwa, to be honest um they come to me with, uh, you know, with with so much um, kindness and generosity in their hearts, they say, I re- this is the fourth time I'm reading your book. And I'm like, mm. wow, mashallah, thank you so much. But then I immediately tell them, but please don't forget to read the Quran, yeah?
0: <laughs>
1: mm. <laughs> because like, if you read my book more than you read the Quran. Now I'm feeling guilty. Um, so what I do is I insert certain uh, verses. Sometimes... I put it. I put them in more subtly through stories, and they mm-hmm. know that it's referenced from the Quran. And then I hope that they pick up, and probably find it in Surah Yusuf, and find it in Surah Al-Anbiya, and find it. You know, I hope that it inspires them, just like you, that they eventually pick up the book, eventually they sign up for some class to go deeper and learn more. You know, anything that will bring them closer to God and God's love.
0: I love that about your writing. I love that you. You, it's very clear that you have had intimate connection with people, and your community, and you have a deep understanding of questions and needs that people bring and come with. And I feel like your books speak to that. Mm-hmm. And I just that's so necessary. I remember when I reached out once upon a time with you, I'm like to you online, and I was like, how do we get your books in like you know America and and in this part of the world because. I feel like people do learn through stories and they do learn through practical things. And I would say like 95% of most books that come out about religion aren't written in that way. Mm-hmm. Um, it's more for a scholar at a university mm-hmm. than it is for everyday person who's, who's like I imagine myself as an everyday person just ch- trying to find mm-hmm. ways to deepen my connection with Allah. Yes. Uh, so that's such a service. Alhamdulillah. Thank Alhamdulillah.
1: You for- um were you always good in writing in school did you excel. Did you enjoy it um did, did someone in school and one of the teachers said you know what hello, one day you're gonna be an author <laughs> so <laughs> that's just funny i'm actually 100
0: if i had to choose between writing and math 100 math wow um, i'm that person that likes math while everyone else is like annoyed i just love numbers i like that it's objective mm-hmm. Mathematics is very objective. I love that, um, and so and with writing, I'm laughing because I actually had a professor. Well, he was a teacher because it was in high school, but his name was I remember his name was Mr. Cullinan, um, and uh, he told me to take like the next level English, and I was horrible at writing essays, just so bad. I would always lose my hypothesis somewhere, a couple of paragraphs in, (laughs) my conclusion would come too late. Like I I would make every mistake with writing. I was so bad, but he did something that I always remember is he he figuratively took me by the hand and he said, you know, come to my office hours. I'm going to make time to work with you on writing and to formulate your thought process. And so he took time, the time actually, we didn't really have office hours in high school, but he took something like an office hour and he, um, he dedicated that to me. Mm. And I don't remember a horrible memory. I don't remember any of my teacher's names except for a handful and he's one of them. Mm. Um, But I would just, I always try to tell anybody who's like an aspiring author, I think learning language is obviously important. And that happens a lot through reading. But as far as being a natural writer, in the sense of writing a book, I do not have that skill set. I like incline entirely towards poetry, which is short form, Mm -hmm. totally run away from essays and long form writing. (laughs) And I think that If anything, for anyone who maybe comes across Secrets of Divine Love and reads it and and likes it, to know this fact, which is, I don't have the ability to write books like that, Mm. which is a testament to what Allah can make with anyone. Um, I'm the person that the teacher needed to help in English class. So if you have an intention and you want to do something where you share um, a message that's positive, that's loving, that hopefully inspires people towards closer proximity to Allah, then just trust that he kind of brings people into your life that Mm. make it better. And that was the case for me. Um,
1: I can attest to that too. You know, sometimes people get too fixated on the how, how do I get started? How do I write? How do I get better? But I I believe in the power of intentions. If you set your intentions right, like what you said, um, everything else just falls into place. The right people will be introduced to you. Um, the right opportunities will come your way. The, the, the right kind of inspirations will just suddenly come to you. Time will be freed up for you. Suddenly you'll have time to write. Like, don't, don't worry too much about the how, uh, mm-hmm. the technicalities. Just um, have the right intentions and make do'a. And eventually, you know, his his prayers will be answered in, in the most amazing ways. Right.
0: And I would say, like, if you are inspired by by authors, like read their work. Like I know a lot of people, you know, will send me things that you post, like read all of uh, ustad Mizi's books, read them and sit with them and learn how he articulates himself because for me I didn't have um, and I, don't, I think I continue to not have that ability and articulation and in, in this sort of long like many pages. Nah,
1: you, you're just being humble though.
0: No no I really am not like yeah I sw- I, I wish I had like a, um, a few of my friends here to tell you they correct my grammar all the time but here's the thing I just kept reading and reading and reading and learning, and then just made the intention, like you said, made supplication and asked Allah for help. And he brought the people that are fantastic at grammar into my life, friends that are majors in literature. So they, they, there's so many people that were behind this book. It's wild, but mm. you know what? That's the power of Allah. Mm. He doesn't leave you, you. know, Maybe he asks you to build a boat in the desert, But then he brings a flood that makes it worth, you know,
1: (laughs) the time. So alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah. All right. um, Thank you for sharing your your writing and about your book. I want to move on a little bit about um, you living there in the West, in the US. Firstly, I think before I get there, like, I, I don't think I've asked you this before. But if you don't mind sharing, what's your background? What's your ethnicity, if you don't mind?
0: So I actually... Have purposely kept that out of the so you don't public. you don't
1: wish to share. Or?
0: Yeah, I don't wish to share only okay. because um, I have found, <laughs> I have found, just a lot of um, you know going into mosques here. I don't know what it's like in Singapore, mm-hmm. but we have the Black Mosque, mm-hmm. we have the Pakistani Mosque, we have the Iraqi Mosque, the Iranian Mosque. We don't we, have that here. It is so it's always blows me away, the Indian mosque. Like there's mm-hmm. somehow or other, and it's not that if you went to the, if you're um, Iraqi and you went to the Pakistani mosque, they're going to say, don't come in. Mm-hmm. It's just the entire culture of the mosque is built not on the, not that it wouldn't be built on the Sunna, of, Sunna, of course, but that it is colored by the culture yeah, predominantly of a region. So it's always sort of interesting how they, consume information based on a cultural context mm-hmm. so i always thought it'd be kind of an interesting experiment to leave that all out and see how people experience information okay. instead of that
1: so okay no worries thank you so much for explaining that i i've traveled to some other parts of the world and i noticed that too um for example in australia it's like that tourist turkish mask um there's, a, there's a, 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 I think it's a Malay mosque as well. Mm. So it's pretty interesting uh, to see that. In Singapore, um, mosques are meant for everyone. There are some Indian mosques, but very few. But um, it's, it's mainly more because of the language, not so much that the things mm. we do are different. Uh, because some of them do not understand English or Malay. So they, they need it to be delivered in their language, that they're more... Um, Uh, comfortable with yeah all right so living in the u.s how would you describe it you know being a muslim uh because i think hello to be fair all we hear about is anything that we read in the news Mm. anything that people share on social media if we if we read the news about how muslims are oppressed muslims are attacked muslims are banned (laughs) that one is quite infamous um we if we would try to imagine ourselves being there, living there, it seems quite horrifying, you know, like there is no peace there. There's no f- freedom for Muslims, but mm-hmm. I would also like to think that it's not completely true. So what would you like to share, especially with um, the Southeast Asian audience here?
0: Well, I, I was born and raised in California. Mm-hmm. So, and it's, interestingly enough, I was born Muslim, but my parents put me and my siblings like in um, private Episcopalian um, Christian schools. Mm. So for nine years, we wore uniform, like had a sort of uniform and attended church every week. Uh, so it's kind of interesting because my experience is a little different um, of just being, I was always surrounded. What's your,
1: what's your identity as a Muslim being cat? secret from everyone in school
0: no it wasn't keeping uh, it wasn't a secret um because actually i it was interesting is about episcopalian christianity It's it's the most broad in the sense of arms wide open mm-hmm. i mean we did have some bible <laughs> bible study classes we had to take that were pretty clear about who's going to hell and who's not um <laughs> which I can kind of laugh about now, but at the time it was like traumatic to be told that your belief with a hundred percent certainty would take you to hell. That was definitely something difficult for me to, to deal with. Um, And now I, um, I think for myself, having my own spiritual journey and, you know, being in the West, I've actually traveled a lot of Middle Eastern countries and realized that I there's only a few countries that are Middle Eastern that I felt safe in as a woman, mm. unfortunately, to mm. say that, to just to be frank. Um, and out of all the, probably maybe to a dozen. And I think there's only, there's only two off the top of my head that I felt safe in. And mostly because they had like strong military responses to people harassing women. Mm. Um, and
1: so yeah, I mean, it's, it's really unfortunate, isn't it, when you hear this? Uh, but it's another thing to experience it. I, I studied in the Middle East too. And so um, sometimes what we, the boys, had to do was that we, we always needed to accompany the sisters if they wanted to go out because mm. it's not safe if they were to go out on their own. There have been cases of harassment and so on. So it's really sad uh, in a Muslim-majority country that you know, these things are quite rampant.
0: I think that's a gift. I think those students were lucky to have, you know, um, male classmates that were willing to do that with honor and respect for them. And, you know, in, in the Middle East, uh, that's just unfortunate, knowing that this is a place where Islam is being shared and you hear the adhan and you pray comfortably. Every, every you know, area, bazaar has an area for you to pray if prayer comes in. And And then to be in America where, For the most part, I mean, Islam is even secretly, you know, like the polls show the people are against it, right? Mm. Um, One of the number one indicators of a Trump supporter, the first thing actually was Islamophobia. They did this big, big, big poll. Then second, it was um, anti-Black and then anti-Mexican, then anti-Latin and on and on and on. I mean, anti-Asian and on and on. But the first was anti-Muslim and yet, you wouldn't necessarily hear something outwardly, but it was there in the undercurrent, you know? Mm. But all that said,
1: so when, America, you, when you see something like that living there, what makes? how do you respond to that? How, how, how does it make you feel?
0: I mean, I think those studies, I have a friend, she studies, she's a PhD in specifically race in Muslims in America, which is wow. so great because you kind of get this interesting viewpoint as far as um, statistics goes. And she's like, you know, there there isn't a lot of positive Muslim perspectives in America. But then again, I live in California, which is almost its own world. It's different than the South, where people, you know, are having pr- these huge protests, per se, against mm. um, Muslims. And living here, I know from my own experiences, I couldn't imagine living in another country. Um, why is that? The United States... It, is year after year um, shown to be the most generous as far as citizens giving money to charity in the world. Mm. And just seeing that, seeing seeing people who are always trying to do something for others, as a government, we're just, it's a mess what they do geopolitically. But as far as everyday Americans, I've experienced lots a lot of kindness that doesn't mm-hmm. meet the news. I've experienced lots of interesting conversations with people of different faiths, Buddhists, Christians, Jews, and coming together and saying, hey, we don't have the exact same book, but there are principles in our books that share and bridge us together in kindness and charity and love. And so I have found so many people meet on that bridge. Whereas like in Islamic countries, a lot of times I've experienced heavy sectarianism and heavy, I'm right, you're wrong. And it's like something about that for me just feels really heavy in comparison. And so although I can hear the Adhan and it's like incredible to be able to be amongst Muslims, I've also noticed that the West has definitely its problems. But it's been a place where I could practice my faith, at least where I live. And at least in this tiny life, I have my personal experience where I feel safe in doing that. Mm -hmm. Um, and. To be honest with you, all that being said, when Trump wasn't the president, I probably thought every other week that I'm moving to Europe. Um, (laughs) So that being said, it's like, it is heavy when there are these huge conversations happening and you start to think, hey, maybe my neighbor isn't as nice as he seems. So it's this dichotomy. Um, But yeah, that would be my experience.
1: Beautiful. You, you, you were aware of a quote by Sheikh Muhammad Abduh about when he went to Muslim countries he didn't see Islam. When he went hey. to the western part of the world he said he saw Islam there more. And I think what he was trying to um, uh, deliver uh, the point was that exactly what you just said. that Sometimes the values of what we are being taught in the Quran, in the Sunnah of the Prophet alayhi sallam, is is more visible in a non- Muslim majority country, nation, environment and, and sometimes we are too fixated like you said on being right or being wrong which group do you belong to rather than are we really practicing the values that Allah wants us to have right so that, that's a lot for us to reflect upon even you know for me personally to think about this constantly as somebody who leads the way you know is, who who people listen to It becomes an amana, it becomes a responsibility that we have to remind everyone and ourselves that always realign ourselves back to what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants us to do, how we should behave, how we should respect one another, how we should focus on the common ground. And I think ultimately we all want the same thing, right? Uh, We want peace, we want success in the hereafter as well. So if we're always in a state of animosity and enmity and bickering and just just focusing on what's wrong with the other person, we'll never get there. <laughs> okay. You know, uh, whatever there means to you. But I don't think we'll ever get to a point where we'll be able to tell ourselves, you know what, I did good. Really? Like, I don't know how some people even sleep at night, the way they the, the things they say online, you know, if you read every single comment on every single post. Mm. It just, when you spoke about protecting your heart, you know, um, the more comments you read sometimes, you know it gets to you. (laughs) You know, it it consumes your mind and your heart and it becomes tainted with so much hatred instead of love. Um, So we've got a long way to go, but people like you are definitely you know, making things a lot clearer and, and helping a lot more people, inshallah.
0: Inshallah, alhamdulillah. Um, and or just one thing to say on what you were saying is one of my teachers, um, she once told told us that, um, she said, you cannot be right and in the love at the same time. Meaning, mm, she didn't mean that there isn't right or wrong, meaning that your attachment to being right and the winner and being in the love, which is a state of unity, of oneness. Duality can exist because if you are the winner, there is a loser. And so in that state, you cannot be in the love. And to be in the love is to, in my opinion, is to be in the presence of al wadur mm. That's the true love. That is the all-encompassing ocean of that love. Mm-hmm. and and I, and I think a lot of times when we have this inclination to say, that's better, that's worse we have to watch where that where that's coming from because there's definitely truth in saying, you know, advising people, but then are you advising from a place of love or from a place of judgment? Mm -hmm. Are you saying I am better? Because that's a very scary statement, Mm -hmm. Quranically speaking, Mm -hmm. Um, or my way is better. Where's that coming from? If it's coming from deep love, it's different, you know? So uh,
1: in Quranically speaking, the one who said that was, uh, our main enemy, right? Yeah. So, um, all right. So let's talk about your social media account. I love, I love it. I mean, to be honest, I've been, I followed it even before you, you dropped me a message. or surprise, surprised like, eh? why is this person <laughs> messaging me? <laughs> and it was you. Um, I love the content and I think a lot of people have uh, benefited from it as well. What was the intention behind it when you first started it? When, when did you start and uh, what was the intention behind it?
0: um wow I Qu- believe... by the way it's
1: uh for those who are uh, who don't know it it's called quran quotes daily on instagram
0: yeah so i believe it was 2013 mm-hmm. uh that i started it so quite a bit a long time ago I, I think um the intention behind starting it actually was i remember a moment where somehow it turned on the news turned on the tv and the news was on and i was like shocked by what i was seeing which was Um, It was the height of some of the things that were happening with ISIS. And I just like, I couldn't, there was something inside of my heart that broke when I kept hearing like the association with Allahu Akbar and like bomb. And for whatever reason, that something broke in me. And I remember just being so frustrated, so upset just so upset and i didn't know what to do with that um, despair so i really sat in it for i think it was a few days just like i had i can't do anything this problem is so big and w- how are we supposed to compete with this loud voice and everybody wants to believe what they're saying because there's this anti-islamic sentiment and i was just like bouncing around and i was like okay and it felt like divine kindness to me that i could st- Stop because I don't know how I stopped. There's a moment where I stopped the thinking and said, What do I have to give? What did Allah give me that I can give? It may not be a billion dollars, it may not be politics, it may not be power, but what did He give me? And so I had to take a second and look at what I had in my like little toolbox. And I said, Okay, I've written poems my whole life, like maybe I could share some poetic ideas with people. Like literally that's how it started. And I was studying Islam. I'm studying with these teachers. Like I have all these notes and I have them there to check on my notes. So let me like try to compile some ideas and have them check and compile ideas and and just share online and see what happens. Mm. And literally that's how it started. The intention was, I have nothing to give. It started with, I have nothing to give. Okay. But what did Allah give me a voice, a mind, a heart? Let me just put that together and see what happens. And then it's like, fast forward. And now it's in this moment. Mm -hmm. Um, And so what it really taught me though, is that no matter what we're facing, it helps to be reminded that Allah planted what we need in whatever he writes for us to face. Mm -hmm. And so returning back to the gifts he's given us Mm -hmm. and then, re-entering facing that trial or frustration from that place for me was a powerful a teaching
1: wow that is really powerful that i love everything about what inspired you because you know at the height of what isis was doing we were also having to grapple with a lot of questions Mm. right being we we are also a muslim minority country so it was always about some some muslims found it frustrating that when a bombing happened, when some kind of attack happened, that we had to like apologize for it or we had to, you know, um, keep on being on on the defense. Like we we're so defensive about everything. Um, but I like how you chose to do something about it and something positive came out of it. And you you spoke about, well, I don't have much but in reality, God has given me much. So Mm -hmm. what is it that he has given me that I've not utilized? And I just did a webinar last night about this, about finding your purpose and your calling. And a lot of people tend to get stuck thinking that I need this, I need that. I need a few more years in order for me to be ready. I need, you know, but a lot of times all the tools have already been given to you. It's in your bag. Check your bag. Open it up. Look what's inside. Mm -hmm. It could be a voice. It could be your writing skills. It could be anything at all, um, your video editing skills, anything that you can use to put out positive content, to combat the narrative that is so negative out there um, and and help. Uh, it's, you're really not trying to help Allah, obviously. You're not trying to help Islam. Islam will always be, you know, Islam will always be, you know, at the peak, uh, at the pinnacle. But it's really to help ourselves, to help our brothers and sisters, and to help the whole world understand better and see the light that that comes from Islam, the peace that comes Mm -hmm. from our religion that has been drowned by all these horrific uh, actions done by a few that has tarnished um, the image of the religion. So that's beautiful. Thank you. Thank you for starting it. Thank you for continuing to to put out positive messages.
0: Alhamdulillah. <laughs> um, I, one thing that I, I feel like is, is what you shared is so beautiful. Um, I just feel like what you said is perfect. It's like we've been in the defensive or often put in the defensive. And I chose like, I may, I my intention was, I don't want to defend Islam. I just want to share what's beautiful about it. Yeah, I don't yeah. want to say, these are all the reasons ISIS is bad for 15 posts in a row because <laughs> ISIS has nothing to do with my faith. Yeah, And so introducing it into the conversation nonstop, of course there's a place to talk about that and, you know, take the arguments they have and sort of break it down. But I just wanted it to, to speak to some, a different type of place to speak to what Islam is and not to be in the defensive, which I find like you said, which is so true. We often are put in. Yeah.
1: Okay. Something a bit lighthearted, maybe. Um, do you get funny or weird messages from your followers? Maybe the questions <laughs> they ask you or the assumptions they make about the person managing the account. And how do you normally deal with them?
0: <laughs> That's funny. Um, they almost exclusively think I'm a man. Um <laughs> not I'm <so> not. <laughs> And then usually, I I usually don't correct the assalamu alaikum brother, because I'm like, it doesn't really matter who I am. And so if they have a quick question, I'll try my best to answer. Mm -hmm. But every once in a while, they like go on and on. And then sometimes um, men are sharing something, I don't think they want to share with a woman. So I tell them, actually, I'm not a brother. Like Uh, at this point. When
1: they start sharing a bit too much, then you let them know, right?
0: Right. Or like every once in a while, someone... I don't know. It's just like a feeling. I tend to not correct people just because I'm not here. I don't care if they think I'm a man or a woman. woman, mm-hmm. um, especially if they're just like, thanks so much for this post. Like, I don't feel like to say you're wrong. I'm a woman. <laughs> it doesn't really matter. Like we're not, but yeah. So um, <laughs> it's always funny. Like, Wow. You're a woman. That's w- um, how did you start this cage as a woman? <laughs> always makes me laugh um (laughs) i'm like we have hands and phones too crazy but um yeah so (laughs) it's kind of interesting Mm. but then there's also um there's a lot of
1: a lot of religious questions
0: right yeah so there's i was gonna say um there's a lot there's a quite a bit of religious questions but actually what i end up getting um is a lot of confessions Mm. I don't know if you experience that. Um, I
1: do. I do I do get that a lot more. I think because I don't position myself as I'm the one releasing the fatwas and I'm the one giving yeah. rulings. So people rarely ask those type of questions. They tend to talk to me about their, their personal problems, um, their life, you know.
0: For me as well, um, and I always say, like, if they ask me a, a, a strict religious question. Honestly, even if I have an idea of the answer, I'll like point them to a resource, mm. and I kind of call people to talk to their local imams if they feel comfortable, um, because I just feel like there's something about being in person with someone, and because there's always a follow-up question and clarification and miscommunication online, and mm. so I I rarely want to get I don't want to be responsible for a misunderstanding, mm. um, but I get lots of, like. Sometimes I feel like a Catholic priest because it's like
1: confession time,
0: you know? Um and I and I I realize that it's in some of the confessions are really heavy. Yeah. But then I'm grateful that they feel like there's a safe place if they can't go to their parents with something, that they're going to somebody at least. Um I'm my so I can pray for them hmm. if it's something really, really heavy or um I could just remind them that, that Allah's doors are open for their return, and oftentimes almost feel like almost regardless of what the confession or question is, it results in me saying somewhat the same thing, which is that the doors are open, and that Allah forgives all sins, mm. and that if you come sincerely to him, like he, trans- he can transform anyone. Mm. And so to not lose hope in that even if sometimes we lose hope in ourselves to hold on to the rope of hope in Allah.
1: That's beautiful. Um do you ever you know like um absorb the energy of these people sharing with you all their problems and the confessions. Have you ever been like affected by reading too much perhaps?
0: Yeah. So um, uh, early on in the, my Instagram journey, um, there were a few, few people that I felt really, like the struggles they were going through was so heavy um, that I actually met up with them and tried to like assist them in, in person.
1: Wow, um, going the extra mile.
0: Yeah, like I really, I felt like guided to do that. I don't know, I just felt like I wanted to, and and I learned this this sort of deep teaching, which was, you cannot take on the suffering of others. You can guide them, you could pray for them, you could give it your all. Um, but with some things, they need consistent help. And I think that, um, well, I'm not a teacher, but I, I even in writing a book like this, I, I if I always take my chance to say that the step, every step begins with prayer to Allah, um, and after that, you might need some therapy and some counseling, and you may need to meet with your local imam or an imam or a teacher that you feel comfortable with several times. Um, because I'm seeing this inclination, especially of this generation, to go online to faceless people um, and to seek their seek them to save them. And there's a problem in that because you don't always know who's on the other side, you know? Um, And so I try to tell people as often as I can, you know, some of these pages are run, Islamic pages, half of 2 million followers are are run by 17 year olds. So, you know, be careful uh, asking, you know, some of these really deep things because the person on the other side, you don't know. You don't know what they have. Mm -hmm. I know that I don't have much, but I'm going to tell you I don't know. Um, I'm hoping that those pages also say that when they don't know. But yeah, so.
1: seems like a lot of things you see sometimes makes me want to look back in in the quran and it's like there's a verse about this there's a verse about this there's a verse about this and <laughs> yeah. i think it's one of it's like Wala taziru wa ukhra. i can't seem right. to find where that verse is but in surah fatir uh, about you know the burden of others it's not something that you need to carry it's someone else's burden um yeah. someone along those lines so really really cool Thank you for sharing your experience, Helwa. Um, maybe just one last question for you. Um, what are your hopes and dreams for the future? And what type of legacy, if any, that you would like to leave behind?
0: Hmm. So uh, that's great. Um, I would say that my hope for the future is to find ways of sharing the beauty of the Quran in a language that this generation can understand and hopefully inspire them to return um, to this book that's inspired hundreds of thousands of books and poetry and the likes of Imd al Qayyam or um, Rumi and Hafez and all the people, the most mystical poets to the most, you know, uh, classic scholars like Al Ghazali. This, this is the book. Mm -hmm. and um, just remembering wow this is like all these wells that we love these lakes we love come from this ocean Mm -hmm. so it's like going back to the source I'm hoping that in this future I can create inshallah more books to speak to that Um, so that's just like really my goal um, as far as when it comes on this path Um, oh the legacy Mm -hmm. Um, you know actually it's funny because I've taken on a response to this based on the inspiration of a friend of mine. Mm -hmm. Uh, I asked her once, you know, like, I want to leave a legacy that reminds people that they're loved and like, what are we leaving behind and what seeds can we plant? And and I remember she said this and I've carried this with me and she said, I'd like to leave a prayer behind for the generation that comes after us. I like my legacy to be prayers. And this is somebody who does a lot of good, gives a lot of charity, uh, spends a lot of time, is in pub like mental health world. So an actual doing, she does a lot. But when it comes to the legacy she wants to leave behind, she's not even thinking about those seeds she planted for the sake of Allah. She's like, What prayer can I leave behind? And I thought, Wow, that is so powerful. Mm. So
1: uh I think because the, the Prophet wa sallam, left prayers behind for us too. Right.
0: Saying, subhanallah. And that prayer, I mean, the prayer of Ibrahim and you know, of Mecca, and it's like th- it unfolded in, in the Quran and our reading of it, as you know. And so I guess with that said, the legacy that I feel like I want to leave behind is a prayer. And that prayer is that people find the deep connection that they already have with Allah. Mm-hmm. And did they allow his light inside to help blossom what they were already given but were unaware of um, and i and i pray that that love has a way of spreading to the world around that it changes people in the world from the inside out i think that would be one prayer that i'd like to leave behind
1: mashallah wow beautiful <clears throat> thank you so much halwa for your time once again I'm losing my voice now, <laughs> but I really appreciate you, you know, sharing a bit more of your time with me. Um, this is the second, but I hope it's not the last as well. That we continue to support each other, in, and, and I, I, I'm looking forward to more of your masterpieces and your beautiful work. I'm looking forward to to more, inshallah, and I, I believe all my listeners would be praying for the same. I ask that Allah grant you continued health and well-being and wellness, and uh, inspiration as well. And may Allah protect you and your family always.
0: Allah, thank you so much.
1: Thank you. As- okay. al-